This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top tier lineup of food right to your door. What will you choose? No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to part two of the Real EFL's exclusive interview with former Bristol Rovers and Reading striker Jamie Curtin. Your host on the show is Matt Hiles and he's joined by Johnny Hunt. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe and give it a share. Put it out far and wide on social media. Jamie's got some fantastic stories and he picks up the tales in part two here. Next season, I'd bring Matt back. Let Matt back in. Sorry, I'm just talking Reading. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Next carry season. on. Carry on. It's, it's next season, on. like the championship. You know, you you go up to a different level with pretty much the same team, wasn't it? And I could be wrong. Yeah, I think Matty Upson did. Matty come in. I don't Matt know came Matty on loan, didn't he? And he yeah, was unbelievable because yeah, he, he, he was struggling brilliant. at Arsenal, wasn't he? As a player, yes. didn't he was injuries or whatever. Um, but that first game, I think we lost 3-0 to Derby and everyone went, oh, yeah. Fabriac, so Ravinelli for the, you know, he's got the same haircut. That was it, yeah, 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 yeah. But then, then I think we then went on a bit of a run, didn't we? And I think you were kind of a little bit in and out of the team. There was kind of like, yeah. it was kind of you or Fozzie playing on his own. Yeah, he sort of changed formations a bit later on, in the, especially in the Championship. We didn't always play as a two, we played as a one. But I went on a run, I think. The Dipper. I, yeah, I, I think I went on a run today. and scored five. I think I scored five in quite a short space of time. Yeah, you remember the dipper? I, I saw Pards' comment from the review video about against. I think it was um, was that Burnley. That little yeah. tap and over the top corner, one of the best yeah. goals I've ever seen. Just have to say. Yeah, yeah, that was Burnley. I think I scored two against Sheffield Wednesday on Sky. Yeah. One against Leicester. Because at one point I got a phone call because I was out of contract that Norwich were going to come in for me, and I was like, right, okay, and. Nothing happened. So I was again. It was an in and out season. Um, I think yeah. I think I ended up with eight, eight or nine, but I hadn't played a lot. Um, so it was a difficult one, and hence in the end why I left because I didn't know where I stood with Pards. I didn't know if I was going to play enough. 
What um, was it? What like with me and Matt were talking. About, what was like the relationship like with him? Because it was like like a bit marmite, wasn't it, between the two of you? Like what? Yeah, I got work? on all right with him. I got on okay with him. I just we just had different views at times of when I thought I should be playing and he didn't, I suppose. And when he started to change the formation, I, he felt I couldn't play as the one striker. Cause I think in the playoff game against Wolves at home, he, I think we had injuries. He played Andy Hughes. Yeah. He played Andy Hughes up front and I played as a 10 behind him where I, where he was playing this one up top. He, I don't think he trusted me to play it is in whether my work rate or whatever so yeah so it was a it was a funny one where it just we got on fine i still speak to him now you know and i, I respect everything he's done and, and whatnot but i suppose i don't always clash but i if i've got an opinion of why i, I think i can do a job or play and they don't then obviously you, you go back and forth with it but we never fell out my decision yeah. was purely want to play sort of things i suppose and maybe if i'd have stayed i would have done i don't i don't know you know i'm not sure but yeah it was a funny one after everything we've achieved it was probably a bit in haste that, that i left i probably should have signed you know I, I got offered a contract i probably could have signed a one year to a three i could have probably you know they were happy for me to stay so maybe i should have done and, and then at least seen out the following season but yeah, I suppose being young and hasty, it was more like, yeah, I'm not sure. One thing I probably you... wish I wouldn't have done. Like, just what, Martin Allen, like, for us Reading fans and football oh, fans, yeah. what would you... <laughs> so, when I, first, when I first signed, I've never done so many wacky things before games in my entire life. And that's like, we basically walked out the ground. This is about to warm up. So with boots on, we walked out the stadium, around the back, into the stadium, and then round the concourse of the stadium where people are buying burgers and the fans are, <laughs> down the steps, and I've then the pitch. Why? <laughs> like, like, to me, what are you doing? Like to see fans to show i i i don't know i have no idea like why you would do that we warmed up once in one of the suites in the midday <laughs> we didn't even go out on the grass we warmed up in a suite massive suite with our trainers on banging balls around we didn't actually step outside until we were going out to kick off and the boys <laughs> were like <laughs> couldn't breathe we used to go out early and go and warm up at the uh, home ends and the players would come out, go to turn to come to there where they would normally work. We'd end up having rows. Before, this is in a warm-up, like <laughs> riling the team up and the fans and like, honestly, some of the stuff, it was crazy. We'd be stood in the tunnel and he would be stood next to you, looking at the opposition players stood next to you going, He's gonna run all over you to like tell him the other like he's gonna run all over. Like, and you're stood there looking and the players Cheers, looking at that's you. all I need. Yeah. <laughs> it was like some of the stuff was just some of it you sort of thought was okay and you could galvanize and, and other stuff you were like, 
we really doing this? Like, I used to get embarrassed. Like, literally, I would get embarrassed thinking, oh, my God. I think he's had, I wasn't there, but I think he had the boys warming up on a roundabout as well. The there has been lots Stop of stories he's done that at multiple clubs. I, there was one from John Cheltenham as well. You had to watch your own game on the pitch without actually any players on it and had to give yes. your own performance value. That, that... Yeah. I was actually, I think I was playing for a different team, but we stayed in the same hotel and he was managing Cheltenham and he was doing set pieces in the breakfast room, throwing <laughs> the, the packets of um, cereal. Yeah, that's just a not corner. a good idea. That is not a good idea. You talk about how you so, left... Yeah. You talk about how you leave sort of Redden, when Redden are kind of going up like that, and obviously you might have had a bit of a mixed relationship with Alan Pardew. You probably stunned everybody by going to South Korea and <laughs> Busan um, Park. I mean, obviously you probably don't want to talk about that, but obviously Not really, I've no. just sort of thrown it in there. Um, probably right. broke the mould a little bit because not many English lower league players actually went abroad let alone to no. Korea or South Korea, whatever you prefer. What was the reason behind the move at the time? Which obviously I did see you said uh, a good few years ago that it was another big mistake. Um, so yes. obviously I think that tells you just you need a, to know. Just, just, just another one. Yeah, well, I thought I'd be the first pers- first British person to play in South Korea. That was the main reason. I thought I'd do something different. Um, no, I, I was. Um, I had the football side, which I was a bit concerned about and what I wanted to do. Um, and then my partner at the time um we'd split up so we weren't married but we had two kids and we'd split up right at the back end of that season so it wasn't a great time um my, both my kids were young there's a lot going on and I was like I don't know what to do we're in off season I've got Reddings offer even Bristol City were interested wow yeah, that, that would have been even worse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't think you would ever I be welcome back I to Bristol. No, I definitely wouldn't be going to Bristol. So I think QPR were uh, City, I think it was when Danny Wilson was there and stuff. So I had a lot of different options. Um, and then my agent rang me and said, I've got a team in America and I've got a team in South Korea. And I was like, right, okay. And they wanted me, their seasons were both going on at the time. So they wanted me to go out there, spend some time with both of them and, and have a look. So I went to uh, DC United. Um, I spent five days out there, um, trained. Um, I was going to be partnering Haristo Stoichkov up front. So that has been obviously Back quite up. nice. Not bad, yeah. He's very so lucky. Trained... <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a bit moody though as well. God, he was moody. But so I went and trained with them for five days. Um, come back home, they offered me a contract, want me to go out there and play. So I was like, right, okay. No one had really gone to America since mm. sort of seventies, I suppose, because mm. it was before Bex had sort of kicked off. So I was like, right, okay, could go and live in Washington DC, you know, fine. Um, come back, and then I got flown out to South Korea. Spent five days there, trained, watched the game. They literally just had the World Cup, so it was. The World Cup had finished, so stadiums between them and Japan, unbelievable. The home stadium, I walked in, it was like, Jesus, it was like Wembley. So I thought, okay, this is a bit different. Went to the training ground, again, hotel in the training ground, completely like top end of what you'd mm. want. Come home, they offered me a contract. So I was like, okay, what am I going to do? And me being me, I don't tend to speak to a lot of people about my decisions. I just sort of... <laughs> have a thing, make it and then tell everyone. And they're like, what? 
So <laughs> I sort of was, I obviously had no partner at the time. I knew I had my kids and stuff. So as I, money was good. Money was probably the best in South Korea. And I was like, I need to get away. This isn't, it wasn't a good place for me to be at the time, blah, blah, blah. And I just thought, why not? And basically just agreed to go. If I wasn't having the off the field problems, I think I would have stayed at Reading. Okay. I think I would have, I think yeah. I would have probably gone, do you know what? At this moment in time, it's the right thing to do is, is tr give it another go. Because when I'd spoke to Paz, he was like, if by Christmas you're not happy, things ain't working, then we'll sort something out. So I always felt that the club would look after me because of the good relationship I had and, and what I'd done. So that if this side of it wouldn't have happened, I would have stayed. But because of it, I don't know if I used it as an excuse and thought, you know what, I'm just going to get away. Mm. Didn't even really think about it and just thought, I'm going to go. I went and I would probably say after two months, I was like, I've got to get back. It wasn't nothing to do with the place. The place was lovely. I lived in a lovely apartment on a beach. Everything was perfect. Mm. I just missed the buzz of England and football. It wasn't the same. I wasn't that old. I was 27. Mm. So I was still in my prime. And it was like missing the kids and, you know, everything else. So I ended up doing six months because obviously the season ended in December. Of so I had another year to go um, and I come back and said to my agent, I said, I can't go back. Um, and it was a hell to get out. They were like, it was like, cause it's out there, the respect and everything is very high. And they mm -hmm. felt I disrespected the club. And so I give back money, signing on fees and stuff. Um, and then I was sitting tight cause it was a January window. I was like, if we don't get this done, I've got to go back to start the new season. Um, and I was talking to Peterborough and I was nearly going to sign for them. Um, and then QPR came in for me. Um, the fans raised some money um, to them, basically, because Sam wanted some money, God knows why. Um, and then they agreed to deal right at the death. Um, and I come back and sign for QPR. So, you obviously had... You obviously had Holloway as the manager. I mean, obviously, you reunited again after your days at um, Bristol. You hear a lot of stories about Ian Holloway. Very okay. good character. A lot of memorable quotes, shall we say, at his various clubs. How was he to work with in your eyes? What 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 was so good about him? I mean, there's got to be some really good stories in there about him. Yeah, I got on really well with him. I have to say, I, I got on fine with him. I, again, I still speak to him now. Um, just another one that's off the wall a bit just does different things yeah. um, because he's had like, obviously his deaf kids and stuff. Yeah. He deals with and does things completely different sessions when we were in complete silence, just him making a point of how important it is to talk um, just all different things, but it's normally just in his quotes and how he speaks. That's normally just mm. how off the wall he is. I remember when I first, it was my first derby. And he come into the training ground and he had rusty nails like pointing out through his knuckles and just like crazy little things and just quotes he would say and just how he was never down would bowl into the football club uh bouncing around um never a dull moment around him um and i i loved him like i say i got really well with him um but yeah he was 
some sort of I suppose back then it was all a bit different like we yeah. played Blackpool away once I think it was Bank Holiday we went up there we were all in the fun fair like the day <laughs> the night before the game and you know you're thinking nowadays you'd look and think and I just remember walking back to the hotel and everyone was walking back and people have got big cuddly toys on their shoulders and you know we've got a game tomorrow and it was like quite a oh, lot you of thought it was Holloway <laughs> Yeah, like it's quite a lot of freedom you were given, a lot of fun stuff, a lot relaxed. Um, I think we played Gillingham in a cup game once. I think it was a replay. And he put, took us all over to the bar. There was a pub across the road and he said, order a drink. We're like, what? And we, he was like, have a drink. So, you know, first person, I think it was Steve Foster. Yeah, I'll have a pint. So you sort of, we won. And that was his way of, just doing different things. I think he was a bit ahead of his time of the mental side of it and how you can get people's mm. mentalities right and their mindset right from just taking pressure off at times and being a bit different. Um, mm. Don't get me wrong, he has his faults like everyone, but his man management and how he was was different and good. You know, he's very thoughtful about things and tactically. Um, and yeah, I, like I say, I got him fine with him he's like a family friend um but you know obviously you don't always see eye to eye and you know you you, you don't always you're not always going to play for someone you get on with constantly they're not always going to like you and put you in their team and stuff but i've played for him twice i've, I've known him best part of my, my life really and yeah he's a top guy you know and he what you see as in on telly and radio he's exactly the same there's no front to him that is him. You meet him on the street, you you know, he will be exactly the same. Like he'd be cracking jokes, stupid, doing silly things, yeah. dancing around. He used to dance and celebrate in the change rooms. You know, all different things. That that is him. There's no like front to him. He he's like that all the time. And it's nice to have, you know, that you walk into a, a training ground and he's upbeat straight away, whether you've won, lost, you know. He has is his moments where he can go mental and, and, and be on you, but he's very disciplined. And normally his things with me was he felt I could always be better. And he always felt I could always do more and push myself and, and, and do different things to be, be a better player. So he was always on me constantly mm. um, because he, he, he felt that there was a lot more for me to give. Um, but yeah, he was, he was tops, you know, I, like I say, I spoke to him the other day and said, if you're going to go for the job again, you know, and mm -hmm. I'd love to see him back in and, mm. you know, see him back around the place because I think he brings, you know, a bit of comedy. His teams are always entertaining to watch. And I just think people like him, you need in football that are a bit different. They're prepared mm. to say different things. They're not like media trained and yeah. they will you know, if they do an interview, yeah. they will just speak how, how he speaks. And I think it's entertaining. And I think, you know, we've lost a bit of that in football where managers literally stand in front of someone and just say anything that just is right. No one's ever prepared to say something that they think might cause a bit of controversy or be a bit funny, be a bit daft. He's he's very much that. And I think um, it's, he, they're, they're good people to have around. Jamie, I was going to say on that note, like, sorry, cutting him out. Terry Venables, we lost. Yeah. He's one of those, isn't he? Uh, as a, yeah. 
I don't know if you yeah, ever worked I, with him, met him, dealt with him. No, I've come across him. Yeah, and everything when you hear how people speak about him, it's all about fun, how he managed people, how he spoke to people, how relaxed he was, how he tried to get the best out of people and stuff. Wasn't a screaming and shouting, and when he was mad, he was still smiling. And I think we've lost that a bit. We've become Man a bit robotic. Yeah, we've become robotic, and we don't like to 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 say stuff and. You know, or we're trying to say stuff to get reactions and we're not being just normal and honest and just, you know, just say what it is, you know. So it's either very much structured or it's very much it's planned because I want to get a reaction from the media to get people speaking. So they say things because of that, not just being normal and yeah. being honest and fun, which I think we've lost that a bit from, you know, from footballers and from and from management. You played for managers like those guys, though, don't you? Like Ian Holloway, Terry Renner. Yeah, Ollie was there. like that. Are you kind of as people? Yeah. I mean, Pars was quite Pars was quite like that. He was, you know, had a bit about him and a bit arrogant and, you know, a bit sort of sure of himself. And, yeah, Ollie was very much the same. And I, I always find you get people like that and you get the best out of them as well. You know, how you manage people, for me, is as a manager, is your biggest asset. You know, recruit the right players and then manage them properly. You know, be honest with them, have a laugh with them. And what is what do I have to do to get the best out of you? That's basically your job as a manager. You know, tactically and everything else is great. But as a squad of 20, I need to basically get each and every one of you the most I can out of you. And it's how you do that. And... You know, I, I think we've lost that in a lot of man management stuff and you'll hear different things of players clashing and managers of this and that and how they speak to them, how they treat them, all stuff like that. And I think most of the best people I've worked for and when I've had my best times is I've been managed properly and, and spoke to properly and treated properly and given a bit of leeway here and there and had a laugh and been allowed to do silly things at times and stuff. And you know that's how you have to you know have to be i think and i think the best managers are like that and and that's why you're here when top players come out and go i love working for him because of and it will be because they've been personal they've got on they've had a laugh not because they've been a sergeant major and stuff because that's not for me how you do things and yeah i think it's pretty simple for me you get the right players in and you manage them properly and you'll get good results Obviously, you went to Swindon afterwards, which you probably could say yourself didn't go well. You swapped a relegation battle to go to Colchester, which was probably one of the better times in your career. Yeah. You could probably agree to that. So you've gone from a side going down to League Two um, and going out of League One the other way and going to Colchester, who've gone up the other way unexpectedly with an yeah. old teammate of yours in uh, Phil Parkinson. Um, was he kind yeah. of the reason why you kind of went to Colchester? You know, the fact that you had him at Reading. Um, obviously, yeah. you know, did you was that kind of the reason why you ended up going down there? Because probably not a lot of people would have seen the success Colchester had. I mean, you're in the top half of the championship, which if you tell people that now, you're just kind of watching football would think that you know, <laughs> you're out of your mind given Colchester been a league yeah. two side for a very long time, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, from when I come back, I reckon I lost about 18 months because I was still probably not in the best place mindset. So from joining QPR to then Swindon, that was a real 
sort of tough 18 months for me where it didn't work out um i went back to i went to swindon because i was chance to go back home there was other players that i knew were signing and swindon had just missed out on the playoffs or were in the playoffs so you thought okay there's a chance there and it just didn't work out um andy king was a manager at the time if you know was his uh, assistant and it just didn't work out i wasn't playing well still struggling to sort of get my best form um and then i was out of the team so parky rang and said would i go on loan they were obviously doing really well and he just said he needed a centre forward he knew me already you know got on well with him and I was like okay my missus at the time who I'd met when I'd come back from South Korea was uh an Essex girl and stuff so it was like okay we it, it seems to work so idea, I, I thought it? yeah so I thought I'm not playing at Swindon I'm gonna go and play at Colchester I want to play so why not so I went up there and spent three months and it was brilliant I uh, loved every minute. We were scoring, we were winning. Um, everything was perfect, uh, apart from it was only a loan. So, obviously, because I'm doing so well, Swindon wanted me back. And I was like, oh, I don't want to go back. You know, I'm enjoying it. Let's be honest. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm really enjoying it. Obviously, Swindon is struggling. So I'm really enjoying it. I've got us to a point where we're, you know, hopefully going to win promotion. I'd like to finish it off. So, but obviously we've got no choice. I'd sort of said I didn't want to go back. Parky tried his utmost to sort it out. And the ironic thing is I went back. Tony Thorpe, who was at Swindon, went the other way and signed for Colchester. Like, <laughs> what's going on? So he finished the season there. I finished the season at Swindon. We got relegated. Colchester got promoted. So, but it, the actual back end of my season, I think I finished runner-up player of the year at Swindon. I think I went back, scored wow. quite a few goals. Wow. Yeah, exactly. That's how bad it was. I, I played half a season and <laughs> runner-up. But we, yeah, we, we actually give it up. We tried our best. Um, and unfortunately, we went down. Um, at the time, I didn't know. I had another year. I was like, oh, God, like, what am I going to do? Dennis Wise was coming in and Gus Poyet. So I was like, okay, right. Obviously, right. they're moving... <laughs> But yeah, must be some money coming in and moving forward, blah, blah, blah. My agent then rings sort of in the off-season and says, I put a release clause in your contract. I was like, hey, he said, yeah, on, if we got if you got relegated, you could leave for nothing. I was like, okay. Parky had come in for me. They'd gone up. So I was like, League Two Championship. <laughs> I was like, Okay. Dennis Wise and that rang me and said, do you not want to stay? We're going to move the club forward, blah, blah, blah. And I did actually think it'd be good to play for them. I, I felt they would do well, which they mm. did. They got promoted. But I was like, no, I can't play in League Two and risk <laughs> that when I can go to the Championship in one swoop. That seems so a very I, generous I, I way of saying you don't want to play in League Two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I um I, I basically signed a, a 18-month contract, a two-year deal. I was like, this is brilliant. So I went there, um, not really knowing how we would fare. We were a really small team in, in the championship. Obviously, budget wasn't nowhere near. There was lots of Sunderland, Birmingham, Stoke, Cardiff, Derby. Like the league was packed, Southampton. Um, and we had a similar group that what I'd left. I think I added, and I think Johnny Jackson signed. I don't think we signed many more players. Um, and we end up having their best 
ever sort of season in their history. I think we we were still could have made the playoffs with three games to go. Wow, something mental like wow. that. And I think we mm-hmm. we went away to Stoke, and I think we went one nil up and lost two one. And I think that was what done us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Palace were in there as well. It was crazy, and we were turning over all of them. Turned over Birmingham, Stoke, Sunderland, Cardiff, like everyone away mm-hmm. from home. Home. It was like. I said, as a the age I was at and the, the the bad period of that 18 months I had is the best season I've had in my career. I mean, I, I scored 24 goals, won the Golden Boot. We just missed out on the playoffs. And I'm playing for a team that people thought we were going down. And it was it was unbelievable. The group was very good. Good individuals, good as a team, real good team spirit. And we shocked everyone. I mean, people turned up at Lair Road and I remember Birmingham, they couldn't fit all their kit in the changing room. It was, you know, <laughs> it was a typical that sort of thing, but yeah. it was a lovely pitch. The pitch was great to play on. It, the, the stadium was tight. It was packed every week and we just entertained. And, it, and again, we played with no... That season. Uh, big Chris Suiluma. I remember you saying before, wasn't he one of your favourite players to play alongside? Yeah, I think so. I could probably pick one from Rovers, Reading and, and sort of Colchester really probably go with Jace, with Martin and, yeah. and with Chris. They're probably the top three. And, and again, it's no surprise I scored the most goals with all of them. But yeah, Chris, again, I got 24 and I think Chris got 18. Yeah. You know, and again, this is where when you're at a club like that, that cannot sustain where you've got to. Chris leaves on a free transfer. Richie Garcia goes to Hull. Wayne Brown goes to Hull. I'm like, knew I had clubs coming in for mm. me. They were bidding for me and it was being turned down. I was like, I've got to do So I put a transfer request in because I, I didn't know what else to do because mm. I was 31 and the clubs that were coming in for me were big championship teams. Mm. We just lost three of our best players. Greg Halford had left as well. He'd gone to Sunderland. Yes. So you're like, are we going to do this again? Like I think we finished eighth. Everyone's leaving. I got offered a new contract, and I think I got offered. I don't even think it was five hundred pound extra. It was it was something, and I was like, yeah. no. And I was on holiday. Hull had bid for me. Norwich had bid for me. Mm. Um, I think Charlton were fairly interested because Pards was there and Parky was there, and I was like, these are like big clubs in the championship, mm. and I'm thinking. They want to go up, like, and they have again infrastructure, and so it went on and on. They kept turning stuff down. Bear in mind, I'd gone there for nothing, and been there a year. In the end, they got a million pound for me for a year's work and not paying anything for me. But I had to, again, coaches, the fans, again felt agreed, but in my back what's going on in my head and how things are playing out I had to make a sort of stance because they kept turning bids down and I'm like yeah. I think it went 354s I'm thinking you got me for nothing I'm 31 and you now want x amount this is what Rovers should have done this is what I mean <laughs> this is how you negotiate and in the end I sort of put the track I I felt that they, whoever wanted me would, would sort of deal out because I thought Colchester would always strike a deal. But I just sort of put it in to just make 
again once you do that fans hate you anyway and um <laughs> you know they look at Bit used to that, oh, well, right? a bit, a bit of a story developing here. I've been in denial all these, all these years. <laughs> Sorry, some sort of counselling going on here. <laughs> yeah. So, again, you sort of do it to just hopefully speed things along and get stuff done. Yeah. Uh, and then Norwich in the end and Hull both agreed a uh, million pounds. So I spoke to both of them. I'm really had a good feeling about Hull. I spoke to Phil Brown, got on really well with him. Um, I went home, was sat, I think, in the Willie Wickets, Mangotsfield Way. I was sat in there having a drink with my family. Sat there, and the phone rang, my agent rang, said, Norwich have agreed as well. You need to get up there tomorrow to speak to them. And ever since I've left, I've always been, for go. I want to go back because I haven't fulfilled a first team sort of career so it's yeah. stupid by me because in a way my mind's already made up <clears throat> so i didn't sit down and really assess whole norwich charlton was in the background and stuff it was like norwich <laughs> as long as we can agree a deal and i'm happy yeah. i'm going so i had so i went and looking back i probably shouldn't have gone back um as good a time as I had, I made some amazing friends again and it was nice to go back to the, the, the city that I sort of grew up in. Um, but yeah, I shouldn't have done. And it sort of, again, Hull got promoted and mm. we got relegated. <laughs> so, <laughs> James, you might need to get a new agent. <laughs> yeah, and that was the year they beat Bristol City in the final as well. So that would have been even better. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it was one of them where my mind was made up. Uh, like no, I don't think anyone could have probably talked me out mm. of it. it. The only thing that would have broke it is if the deal was completely wayward of what I was being offered somewhere yeah. else. And, and they were all pretty much the same. But it was like my mind <clears throat> from leaving, it was always, forget the opportunity, I want to go back to Norwich because I loved it. I didn't feel I had the opportunity to fulfil what I wanted to fulfil first-team-wise. Mm. So it was always, that was always going to happen. Um, but I had three good years, you know, really enjoyed it. I had some mental managers, uh, Glenn Roder, Paul Lambert, uh, fell out with, with all of them. The one that signed me left after six months, uh, Peter Grant. So I was like, one manager who's paid the money, signed me, has left. Glenn Roder come in. I was like, I didn't really get on. That was when I went on loan to Barnsley come back because he got sacked got back in the team then was out of the mm. team then Paul Lambert come put me in the team brilliant then I'm back out of the team I was like then I ended up training with the youth team I was like and then I went on loan to Shrewsbury and that was sort of my stint of my three years it was like God's sake um, but it was fine like I say it wasn't how I wanted it to go but it was okay it, you know it is what it is and it's easy to look back and because that didn't work out, I didn't go there. Because if it did work out, then I wouldn't have even questioned it. But I just look at it as a whole and probably thought, because of the connection I had and because of how well I wanted to do yeah. there, maybe it was best to leave it as it was mm. um, and not go back. But it is what it is. You know, I, I, I've had the best part of 10 years there from being a kid to then going back. Uh, and it's a big part of my career. So, yeah. So from that, it was, um, what am I going to do? Because I got released 
at 35. I hadn't played a lot. I went on loan to Shrewsbury and didn't score in like eight games. I didn't have a club. And I, I had no options. It was the first time in my career that I had nothing had happened. The phone didn't ring, nothing. And I was like, oh, okay. And then thankfully, Andy Tilson was at ex- uh, rang me and said, would you come and train, basically? Mm. I was like, yeah, yeah. So I basically went on trial. Um, went down to Exeter with Tiz, um, did pre-season, and they offered me a contract till December. Mm. And by December, I had 10 goals, and they offered me a, another extended uh, season. And I ended up scoring 20-odd goals there. Jim, being going on trial as an experienced player, did that kind of freshen you up? Like to go, I have to be hungrier as a player to go, I have to really get um, or I don't mean that. Yeah, I, su- I suppose it did in a way. It was more me, like I knew I was good enough to still perform. So for me, it was like, I'm just going to go there and just show what I can do. Yeah. I was, I was fairly confident. I'm always fairly confident if I can get in the door. I'll show you that you'll want me, you know, by, by how I train and what I, what I do in games and stuff. Um, so I was fairly confident that once I was given the opportunity to go in and train, I'd be the best centre forward they had. I was, I was confident in that. Um, and I sort of didn't start the season and then broke in and ended up uh, winning player of the year, every, all the player of the years, scoring 20 yeah. goals. Um, and then stupidly got to the end of that season and it was again wasn't like 100% on the contracts blah 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 and Leighton Orient coming for me um, who were in the same league and um, I think I don't know I think we finished just above them and stuff it was going back to Essex I was living at my mum's and my missus was in Essex and we were apart and it was like okay the contract wasn't it wasn't like I was being for what I'd achieved. You know, they really wanted me to stay. Yeah. So it was yeah. like, okay, I'll go to Leighton Orient. And again, it was a club that was really doing well at the time. I thought brilliant. And I had my worst, worst year. Hardly played, got injured, just didn't hit it off. And you're like, God's sake, like, I'm going to be out of contract. I'm another year older, not had a good year. Like what you're gonna do? I, I went on loan the back end of that year to back to Exeter. Mm. Um, I did okay, but I picked up an Achilles injury, so that season ended. And stupidly, tears come in for me again. And I was like, <laughs> I, I didn't need to leave. Like I could have stayed. <laughs> so I then went. I then went back and was offered not a trial. Was offered a, mm. a year's contract. Scored twenty goals again. I was like. Is why don't you just keep me? I'd have been here for the last like three years. I wouldn't have had to go anywhere. Um, and then stupidly, we get to the end of that year, and he said, "I can't offer you a contract." He said, "I've got to keep one of the other forwards, and I, out of a few of us." And he has decided to keep John O'Flynn. I'm like, I've just been voted in the Player of the Season. I've just scored twenty goal over twenty goals again, and you're don't want me. I was like. Do you, do, you, do, you think, do you think age played a part? Because you would have been around sort of 34, 35, that sort of age. You might have been a little bit older. Do you think maybe that older. played a part a little bit? I shouldn't have done with Tiz because Tiz always like, like always had senior players around. I okay. mean, when I first yeah. joined, Stewie, Marcus Stewart was still 
So I don't know, uh, like, because I think I'd have been 37, 37, and I was, so it's like, I didn't, and you know, you like, you can't put your finger on why. I've, I've done yeah. well for you in two years. I've shown you my age isn't anything. Yeah. But yet you are choosing someone over me who, who, who I've kept out of the team. Mm. So I was like, what are we doing? So I ended up sort of again, like in limbo, like not really having a club. Um, and then again, one of my friends was at Dagenham um, and I went on trial at Dagenham mm. again. And I was like, okay, I, I was confident after what I'd done the season before. So he had another centre forward who was there at the time. He'd been there in the door before me. and He was on trial. I then turn up um, and I earned myself a contract. Um, scored 20 goals again. Scored against Exeter, which was quite pleasant twice. <laughs> so that was quite good. You've got a habit um, of scoring against your own side. Yeah, old clubs, I'm a, I'm a nightmare. Yeah. And, I, and you're like, in a way, it's sort of a lot of it inspired me and pushed me on because I'm like, these managers are doubting me. And so yeah. it was always quite good when I come up against them to not in a, not shut, but just it give me a bit more to just go, there you go. You know, Here's what you could so have that done. Was, yeah. <laughs> So it was it was quite pleasant. So I ended up doing two years at Dagenham and loved it. I, I really enjoyed it. Wayne Burnett was a top manager. Uh, he now runs the under-23s or 21s at Tottenham, doing really, yeah. really well. And I got on really well with him. But he was, because he was quite a younger manager, and he, I was obviously his most experienced player. I was like nearly 40 at the time. He treated me like that, spoke to me a lot, it, what I needed if I needed to train, if I didn't need to train, he would call me down in front of the bus. We'd have conversations about how the team is, how the players are. He treated me like a proper adult and I got on really well with him. Um, and I did well for him. Like I say, I got 20 odd goals in the first year and um, unfortunately, they got rid of him in the second year. It was, I, I didn't really get, we were, we were dagging and we were never expected to do, you know, major things. We were in and around relegation, but we weren't in it. Everything was fine. Um, and they got rid of him and brought John Steele. <clears throat> and his way of football to Wayne Wayne's is completely different. I'm a completely different player to the... And I didn't really play a lot. And obviously, uh, it ended at Bristol Rovers where we ended up helping you get promoted course, and yeah. we got relegated. So I did my best for you then. So I didn't help <laughs> in a promotion. Attention. <laughs> to all the Bristol Rovers yeah. fans that are listening, Jamie did his best. Yeah. <laughs> I did my best. I didn't score, so there you go. This podcast is sponsored by the wonderful people over at NordVPN. The 2023-24 campaign is set to draw to a close, but the football never truly stops. With the Olympics, Euro 2024, and the new season set to commence in no time, make sure you don't miss any of the action wherever you may be in the world by downloading NordVPN. For just the price of one cup of coffee per month, NordVPN allows you to watch your favourite teams, players, shows and movies anywhere in the world, even if they aren't available in your region, simply by switching the location on your device to one which is showing the content. NordVPN also acts as your cyber bodyguard, protecting your personal data and other sensitive information such as credit cards and passwords from falling into the wrong hands, which is always a worry when you travel abroad. And with just one subscription to NordVPN, you can use the service across six different devices, which is incredibly handy if you're traveling with your family and or loved ones. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash really There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee 
and you'll help support our podcast too. The link is in the podcast episode description box. So now, back to the podcast. Away days are great, especially when your striker bag's a last-minute winner. But there's nothing quite like playing at home. And do you know what? The same goes for McDonald's. Why not maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery? Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right. Is there, um, I was, was going to ask you actually about um, Rovers because there was a couple of times sort of when you're in the bracket of over 30, there was a couple of rumours that you were linked. I remember after your first spell at Exeter, there was rumours when the club just got relegated to League Two that there was interest, but you obviously went to Leighton Orient. Was there any truth ever going back to yeah. the club or did you kind of think, do you know what, I'm going to forgive everything or did you kind of <laughs> still hold that grudge, which, you know, you're quite right to hold given you know, what you were subjected to, like you, yourself and your family after you'd left? Yeah, no, I spoke to them twice. So both times were true. Um, that The first time was then. Um, was it I Paul Buckles' manager? Yeah, Paul Buckles' manager. Yeah. It was a bit funny and weird. Big <laughs> deal. It was less than what um, I was getting at Orient. I actually said, if you can get anywhere near it, because it was quite a bit, I'll come. And it was a bit, and I wasn't earning a lot anyway. My missus had a little bit, she was like, well, you know, it's Bristol again. I said, yeah, but I would like to go back. Um, yeah. I said to her, I'm on like 80 odd goals. I'd like to get to 100. I had ambitions to achieve certain things at Rovers as well. <clears throat> and the deal just, they just messed around with it. And they, yeah. it wasn't. Yeah, they messed around with it. And stupidly, I signed Leighton Orient and they signed Scott McLeish off with Leighton I was Orient. just about to say, yeah. I was just about to say that, yeah. You know, and, <laughs> but I was, I was, I would have come. If the deal was done, I was going to come to yeah. sign. 100%. By then, it, 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 everything was done. Like I say, I'm quite targets and ambitions and I knew I was close to 100. Yeah. I thought, if I can get there and sign a two-year deal, for me to get 100 goals for Bristol Road would be unbelievable. So that was the first time. And then the second time was John Ward. Uh, 2013 so would it have been? Yeah, it would have yeah, been. Yeah, it was after yeah. or before, yeah. And the deal he offered me, I could have earned more in non-league. And I was like, yeah. it was when I went to Cheltenham, I think. And I was okay. like, well, I've been offered this. And again, I said the same. You don't need to give me what I've been offered, but you get close to it, so I'll accept yeah. less. I will come. And they were, we were more than half. And it felt like because they felt I wanted to come, mm. they could take the mick a bit. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not just going to come because <laughs> it's Bristol Rovers and I want to come back. I've still got to earn a living. And I sort of was up front with them and said, this is what I want. This is what I can get. But if you can get me anywhere near yeah. this, I've got to do it. And they wouldn't do it. So both times it fell flat because of that. But I would have come back 100%. But put it this way, in the, se the second time you took Ravers down, it wasn't the worst decision in the world because we got relegated to the, the National League. So I think if that <laughs> you can't happened, blame, you can't blame team, me for that one. No, though, I'm yeah. not. I think I almost think if you did be part of that side, it'd probably been even worse of a scapegoat. So <laughs> I definitely would have got my um, I wouldn't have got my twenty goals. Not a chance. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, then after Dagenham, you kind of had spells in non-league. You dropped down, sort of, you know, having sort of little contracts there and there, maybe six months to a yeah. year. One club you did um, go to was Eastleigh, who obviously at the time were quite sort of um, ambitious under sort of mm. Stuart Donald, who 
many Sunderland fans will know sort of starred in the documentary, um, sort yeah. of, you know, Sunderland Till I Die and, and things like that. Um, what, what was the sort of club like at Easy when you sort of got into it? What was what was Stuart Donald like? Did you have sort of any run-ins with him? Because he kind of was on the Sunderland documentary soon after he kind of sold Easton. He didn't really kind of cover himself in glory. What, what was the club like back then? Because it was a club that kind of had the murmurings of being quite an ambitious sort of side. A, bit, a little bit like a Wrexham, but not quite the same star power given its yeah. own as that type of thing it felt like. I mean, that was the vibe I got. I mean, I went to Farnborough. After leaving um, Dagenham, I was without a club. Um, I could have signed for Dagenham, but I had this pride of I wanted to stay in the Football League as long as possible. So I turned it down, hoping I would get another sort of League Two club, um, and I didn't. So I was sort of sitting around going, OK, what am I going to do? A couple of my mates were playing at Farnborough. So I went down there. Farnborough's obviously right next to Eastleigh. I was scoring goals for fun. My mate was assistant manager at Eastleigh. And he said, look, we want to bring you in. So I'd heard what was going on, that they were, they'd sign in a lot of ex-league like league players, mm. bringing them down, paying big money, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I was like, OK, it's National League. Perfect. You know, so I went in. Um I didn't get offered anywhere near the money that some of the boys were on. They were on fortunes. But yeah, I think it was that they were really having a go for it. But I just don't think they had the, the right infrastructure and the right balance, um, which is why they're sort of still where they are. Um, I didn't really see them a lot, to be honest. Um, okay. But you could sort of tell that money was being spent. And it was my first proper stint in non-league of how things would sort of work. Yeah. I mean, Ronnie Moore was... Um, was in obviously, you know, ex league managers. So they really went for it. A lot of the players they'd signed, they they were paying them big money. But it seemed like it was a lot of them were there for that reason. Mm. It wasn't like they hadn't got that football side, recruitment side, how to spend the money properly, sort of way around it. So I think he sort of quite seen quite quickly, which is why he probably left, that mm. it's not that easy to go in and just throw money around and you know, get results. There has to be a, a structure and a plan behind it all. Um, but it was a good club. I, I didn't stay there that long. I wasn't playing loads. Um, he got sacked. <clears throat> Martin Allen come in and got rid of me. <laughs> and I, I didn't Don't speak to me. any binge. I mean, that's a bit Invisible burgers? No, nothing like that. He didn't speak to me. He hadn't even turned up. So I, I went in for training. He'd been announced that day, but we hadn't trained. And I got released by uh, the chief executive. He said that Martin didn't want me. I, I didn't even speak to him. So I basically... That's cold. That's cold. basically that packed my bag. Is that about him? You're... I don't know. I didn't get... I didn't... I never... Um, I never fell out with him. I'd, I'd come across him quite a lot at different games and spoke to him. So I have no idea. I just to this day I still don't know I've not spoken to him but yeah I was just um I wasn't needed so obviously contract was cancelled um and I drove back home that that literally was it um and then I signed for St Albans so yeah and then you've was, kind of gone was... through that period and then you go to Bishop Stortford and you decide to dip your toes in the managerial pool I mean did you ever see yourself as a as a manager, oh, I mean, at all. Um, and I mean, could, no, could I you balance not. it being a manager as well? I mean, they do say it's not a 
an easy role to do. I mean, Glenn Hoddle kind of did it Swindon, didn't he, all those years ago? I mean, there's been a few yeah. that have gone by the wayside. So I found, it, successful, I found so. it all right. I found okay. it okay, actually. But for me, it was obviously I wanted to play and I would always play regardless of whatever level. So mm. it was quite easy dropping sort of down and sort of up and down and staying at levels. My mate was the manager, um, Kev Watson. He was the manager at um, Stortford. Oh, so I went in. Yeah, played with Colchester in Reading. So I knew him well. Um, I didn't live too far away, so it was like a decent level, step three. So I went in and played um, and played for them for two years. Uh, Watto left. I brought another manager in. So I stayed. Um, and then midway through that season, the owner is very hands-on. <clears throat> He's managed them before. And in non-league, a lot of owners manage as well. That's sort of how things work. So he spoke to me and said, I'm going to get rid of the manager. Would you come alongside me and play and manage and stuff? And I was like, yeah, not a problem. So my first sort of stint was working alongside him. Then he stepped away the year after because we'd been getting beat and he just stepped away. <laughs> it's not my problem. <laughs> yeah, not my problem. And well, this is how typical Yeah, that's what they do. So my first training session was at the ground and I had a meeting. So I got called into a meeting and the boys are out training. My first meeting was um, I've got to take £800 off the budget. And I was like, oh, okay. So you <laughs> left me in the lurch and you're now taking my budget. So that's welcome to non-league management. Jeez. That's a week. That's quite a lot. Yeah. Guardiola. Like, uh, what? So I was like, Okay, so I I started off and I really enjoyed it. Um, was playing manager, was was still managing it fine. The boys were good, um, and then the owner basically wanted to come back in, so he come back in later on. We worked together. I was still playing, um, and then we had a meeting in the back end of one of the end of the season. Sort of thing. the season had ended. He was like. There's nothing for you. I was like, what? What what do you mean, not managing or not playing? He went, no, there's nothing for you. We're going in a different direction. We're going younger, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, okay. So as in non-league, I I went to Hornchurch, who were in the same league, but doing well. Um, Finished the season. They then basically sort of said, we can't keep you. I was like, right, okay. And Enfield, who were ground sharing at Stortford, who were the, the league below, uh, two leagues below, uh, were just being taken over and new ownership. And, and they said, would I like to come on, manage them and play for them and help them sort of move through the leagues? Um, and I was like, yeah, not a problem. So I did that for the last three years. Um, so, yeah, so it was sort of, I fell into it. But I really enjoyed it. Non-league management's been really good. Um, again, it's down to how you manage people. You know, it's completely different. They've got jobs. You know, when we've got a training evening, they've come from jobs. When you've got a midweek game, they've come from jobs. So you've got yeah. to balance how you are with them. And some of them might be a bit late because they're coming out of London. And so, yeah, you've got to juggle things. And again, for me, it's managing individuals. Some, you might have to say, look, have a night off don't you can't make Tuesday training because it's traveling from here there and yeah but it's good I've enjoyed it I've won a league won a cup um really really enjoyed it um and 
you know, I probably will sort of um, at the moment at Molden, uh, like assistant sort of joint manager. But I'll probably, if if the right offer comes up, I'll I'll probably go back into taking charge again at some point. I mean, obviously, yeah, go on, go on, John. No, they say get the boots on for like, you know, come on. Yeah, yeah. Go for a record of who's the oldest player can score goals for (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll play a bit more as well. Once I get a manager's job properly, I'll just play myself. So that'd be fun. Why is it about the buzz, Jamie? Sorry. Like, just for keep playing. Like, what is it for you as a person? Like, just the enjoyment of it. I love it. Just literally the enjoyment of running out, playing, scoring goals. It's it's never nothing's ever changed for me. I've said whether I score in a park or I score in front of hundred thousand people, the feeling is the same inside. Yeah. Obviously, the the atmosphere and everything's completely different, but the buzz and the feeling I get from from that moment and from being able to do do that has not changed from when I was doing it. You know, in in, in the garages. It's, it's still the same. It's and a bit see crazy. That with other players that you've played with. Sorry, Matt. I'm just going to ask this. Guys that you've played with that go, they haven't got that same love. For yeah, football. it's a job. Rather yeah. than Martin, uh, Martin Butler didn't like football. Really? No. He's a he always now, said, I think, isn't he? Is that what? Yeah. That, he always said that the day I retire, I won't have anything to do with football. Really. Didn't. Start to his word to be fair, sir. There we go. But a lot of players, he had a bad a injury, players didn't like he? That. yeah. But there's a lot of players that that like football and are good at football, but there's a difference to I love football. Okay. Like, I think there's I think there are, yeah, not all players devote their lives to it, I don't think. And I would normally do anything to continue to play. Like I would do that now. Yeah. Like, not a problem. Um where I've got friends that have said all along, are you not bored? Like, have you not had enough? I'm like, no. And that was when I was playing, <clears throat> that was when I was playing sort of at 40, 41 at Dagenham. And I, I'm like, no, I love it. Like yeah. The feeling and like the, the, the adrenaline in the buzz, driving to a game, all of that. Does it never and change it, whatever level you've played at? No, at all? No, no, no. If I no. had a game tomorrow, I would, be prepping myself tonight and be what do you do then for your prep if you just what... i'd just be chilling and just the excitement and the buzz to what i could do tomorrow like i could score again tomorrow do you, like, do you lift the another... goals in your head like do you go what uh, yeah i used to yeah when i was playing in in league football 100 I, I if i was having periods i'd watch game like watch i got clips and stuff that i would sit and watch mm. and you know just visualize stuff but um, but yeah, my my adrenaline, my buzz, just to play football, is, is always the same. Always, you know, I'm I'm six goals away from four hundred. So at the moment, my main ambition is to still achieve that. So I, you know, I've, I've still got that. To, so I've always had drives and yeah. <clears throat> and and things to to push myself on. So that's still sitting in the back of my head mm. that. Like I can't retire and miss out on four hundred goals by like Absolutely. a couple of goals. Sign this man up. You're watching this podcast. Be, even if that means playing Sunday football. Yeah, signed up. I, I yeah, I'm gonna ask one more thing. I'll pass back to Matt. Uh, yes, Jamie, sir. one of my big things, as you know, is about mental health in football life and stuff. Mm. You, you know, you've been through a journey that we've talked about. It's been absolutely unreal to hear your conversation 
um, and stuff that you've gone through, different eras, different world now. How much did football affect your mental health and and what could be done better? What support could you have had? Uh, you know, that, that kind of conversation. Um, I think probably it's affected me more than I've probably realised because I think I've been very good at blocking stuff out and... As a man. Being, yeah, and being just channeled into what I need to do. Um, <clears throat> so for me, there was always... The, the, the main goal for me was always play football, be prepared. Nothing outside of that can affect you. So it was always very much whatever's going on, you black that goes we concentrate on football so i've been very good at doing that um and just sort of pushing things to the side that i felt either either weren't true or whether people are moaning that you're not playing well or you're not scoring goals i've never tried to let anything affect that because i've always felt confident in my ability and i will always turn things around and if there's stuff that's going on that is just noise and it's not true I can quite dismiss it. Yeah, we'll get to after a while, but more of waking up sort of phase as opposed to of having to sit in a dark room and like be all stressed about it. I'm quite good at just, you know, blacking this distancing and blocking people out of my life if I don't think they're they're, they're helping me and stuff. I didn't help yeah, I could have had as many much help as possible, if I'm honest, with certain situations throughout my career whether it was splitting up from my ex whether it was the Bristol Rovers thing leaving whether going away to Busan and coming back and being in a not the right frame right mind not the right mindset and still being scarred a bit from you know so yeah throughout my career I've probably had 10 or 12 or 15 episodes where I needed to probably sit down and speak to people and and think how can can you help me through this or what can I do? But through my my era that we've never had that. Yeah. It's only been the last, I don't know, five years that men actually openly speak out and say they've got issues. You know, in my day, I suppose I say my day, but when I was growing up and things like that, no one ever spoke about it. You know, that was you wouldn't. Even if you were your worst, you yeah. wouldn't ever ask for help. Um so I think the support the support network around, especially football and at clubs now, is is a lot better. I mean, I worked at Arsenal for three years in their in their academy, and they've got player liaisons, they've got care work, they've got everything, you know. And in all age groups, and you know, I went up to the the first team training ground. The under 18s used to go and speak to someone once a week, and they'd have a timetable of when they go in and sit down and speak of how the week's going, what's been going on. You know, everything, psychology, everything. And this is why I say that if you have ability at that level, you shouldn't fail. You know, you need, like, yeah. something is is a, is wrong if you fail. If you're a top player, you have everything to get you through everything. There's, there's no reason why you shouldn't, you know. But they had that. I would be sat there and they'd be all going into the office one by one, sitting down, speaking, you know, if they've got any issues, what's been going on in their week. You know, even they're like, but they'd be talking to kids like about how they're feeling about football, about not playing, and you know, no one spoke. Like, I was a youth team player. If I got dropped, like, the manager was like, "You better do better to get in the team." Yeah. That, that was it. These kids can now express how they feel about being dropped, about 
not making the first team squad about this about that and they can have chats and get whether that works or whether it helps i don't know but having it as an option is a is a big thing um and that goes through the club you know i'm pretty sure first team they're being abused online anything like that you know i got abused for the best part of five years to my face no one helped me you know but you could go home james wasn't it in your day you could go home and yeah suck it up yeah that was it but like nowadays online <clears throat> you get one bad thing said about yeah. you online and there's a whole investigation and this and that yeah so <coughs> excuse me um so yeah there's nowadays the support system around everyone is so much better yeah. but you're still going to have people that will have problems because you'll still have people that no matter how much is around won't speak you know that that's just the natural thing that people feel that they can't talk to people um or they don't want to or whatever else then no matter how much help is around i think you're always going to have people that that won't use it because they they don't want to or they feel that, that however they are feeling they can't voice it um but it's definitely a lot better yeah things that went on in my you know when i was young wouldn't don't go on now and wouldn't go on and if it did you only have to speak to one person and you know the whole thing is shut down and everyone's investigating and, and whatever else um so it's a lot better i think I, I just taught myself as i was young growing up going through things just mentally be strong and not let things affect you and and just be very good at pushing stuff in the back of your mind uh, i was i've just been very good at that so hopefully it never all comes out <laughs> i'll be in trouble <laughs> it just well, all stays back there i'll be fine well what well what i'll say is jamie thank you um every club that you actually played for got a mention as well would you believe so there you that's, go, yeah. something. that's why it's taking Good. two hours this is a two-part don't worry about that yeah. um, but honestly from from the bottom of everyone's hearts myself johnny and all the really fl listeners thank you very much for being very no, no problem at all Opening up, of course, such a good thing to do, and obviously in this day yeah. and age, of course, that helps others. Johnny's, you know, very well. Yeah. Um, adverse to it's, it's it's a massive thing as well. So you know, once again, without being sort of repetitive, thank you very much. No, no problem. Thank you for having me. Cheers, Jamie. No worries, all, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank no, you. Thank you very much, Jamie. Um, obviously, as well for all the regular listeners, you can catch our League One and League Two podcasts um, throughout the rest of the season. Each week, of course, we go through all the big talking points in League One and League Two and, of course, go through each result. We'll be back to normal in terms of the podcast on Sunday, albeit an FA Cup special in the ranks, of course, with only the championship involved. But have a great rest of your week and we hope you enjoyed our content. And keep, remember, putting those ratings and giving those listeners, listeners to us as much as you can. Thank you very much. Cheers. the 90th minute and all your mates around watching your team on iFollow you've got your McNugget share box on the go and you know what your mates already got booked for double dipping but then late on you steal in grab the last nugget and snatch all three points perfect why not order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app you in at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.